I'm Melissa White, and this is The Spirit Room. This is a place for seekers that find themselves intrigued with working with the unseen world. I'll bring you insight into my life and work as a medium, interviews with people that I find fascinating, and also provide you with some tools to help you implement a beautiful life in partnership with spirit. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy what spirit has in store for us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Spirit Room podcast. I'm very excited to welcome Paula Mary of the Spiritual Surgery podcast. It's really a pleasure to chat with you again. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Melissa. And and yes, lovely to speak with you again. Yeah. So here's a little information I'll just share about you with the listeners. So Paula is a professional psychic medium and spiritual healer. She specializes in psychic surgery and animal communication. She comes from an Irish background, was born in Essex in the UK, and now lives between Bexhill-on-Sea, East Essex, and Brittany, France. She was born with great spiritual awareness, and at the age of five, she knew she wanted to be a healer, though she didn't know what that was at the time. At age nine, she was able to get information through and had her first experience. At age 11, her guide started speaking to her. So, wow, Paula, I'm so intrigued and can't wait to hear more about your journey. So please tell us about what your that first experience was like when your gu- guide started talking to you. Well, yes, absolutely. I remember it so well, Melissa. I was in my bedroom and my elder sister had just been mean to me which was a regular occurrence, I'm afraid. I was really, really sad. I sat on my bed and I was crying, saying to myself, I'm all alone. And I remembered rubbing my eyes and I noticed a small bright light around my eyes and suddenly I just felt so calm. I heard a strong but very gentle voice, very gently saying, but it was strong, I can remember. You're not alone. I sort of kept hearing the words care. I just care. I remember saying, who, who are you? Who are, and I was worried as I had sort of had seen the light before around me, but I actually had not heard the voices before. And I kept hearing the name Jim Bills, Jim Bills. And I suddenly felt a sense of relief and like calmness inside. Obviously not quite sure what was happening for me at that moment. But I felt safe in that energy, in that moment, at that very moment, I felt an overwhelming feeling of love and the warmth of like a strong bond within that energy, which I still have today when when I connect to spirit. Beautiful, beautiful, amazing. And also just right at the right time that you needed to have that experience. Yes, no, absolutely. And I'd seen the light before when I was younger, but it hadn't impacted me as I wondered what it was it sort of kept following me around a little bit (laughs) but it wasn't until I was really upset that it came in wow and so that was the objective clairvoyance and clairaudience like outside of yourself yes no absolutely and I and I could see things at at a younger age as well I could see sort of energies around people 
and around my sister as well, like the light, not completely, so, but sort of mm -hmm. colours like grey, yeah. darkness, and then light around other people. Right. Kind of like that silhouette. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so from that point that they started speaking to you, basically did it evolve from there? So it's just started getting stronger and stronger? Absolutely. I used it as an escape when it was like, are you there, Jim? Are you there? <laughs> come in, come in. So I sort of um, used it as an escape into my childhood and connected as much as possible from that moment, wanting to be in that calm moment. Right. And how did your family react to your psychic experiences? Did they know about them? Interestingly, I hid my experiences completely from my family because unfortunately I had a difficult childhood. But in my view, this saved me. And I feel without this strong energetic bond, I would not have got through so well. Um, my mother is Irish and her side of the family, especially her mother, were extremely psychic, but unfortunately used their knowledge for the negative rather than the positive. And I'd always felt, I'm born in the wrong family. <laughs> I think that that's such a common feeling. Yes. For a lot of people. And yes. it's so funny because the next question I was going to say is, oh, are you aware of any family members or ancestors that were medium? -like? So you answered that perfectly. But it's so, it's so interesting that we, many of us do feel we have to hide it yes. until the time is right, until it's actually safe for us to then use it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, my mother was going to church twice a day back then. Um, she still does it to this day and it's very religious based. And so therefore it wasn't for her, it was wrong to do that. It was a sin to do that. Yeah, no. And is it still, is it something that she, like she's aware of now, this is your vocation or? that she's very much aware now what I do, but she doesn't understand it. <laughs> and she will just... We've been through the mill and back a bit in our uh, relation and for quite a few years I had no contact with her. But then over the last five years, because now she's in her late 80s, we have communicating and she is happy for me that I really love what I'm doing. She doesn't understand it, but she is happy that I'm being well and successful with what I'm doing. Wonderful, wonderful. I was also uh, reading in your bio that you worked in children's services in the protection team. Yes. And I was feeling, you know, how spirit must have been guiding and inspiring you while you were working in this capacity. Yes. So I wonder how your keen psychic and intuitive awareness must have been so helpful to you in that role. Oh, absolutely. And I love my job in children's services. It was the best job that I ever had. I love working with children so much. And I suppose it's because of my own childhood experiences. And I can feel I can help the children I work with and want to tell them it's a, it will be okay. You can get through it because I got through it. And if you believe in yourself, you can do it. So working with these children, I saw their soul. It was weird. I saw walked into a room. And the energy from my guides always sort of came through to calm the room and to calm the child. And it was like really bizarre. And I used to have someone with me in the room as well. And they always would say, 
how did you manage that? How did you manage to get that information from that child? So yes, and using my intuition and spirit guidance, they would open up and say how they felt. So yes, it was guided by spirit. I mean, I would say, Melissa, very much. So looking back on it, I think I was very open. I was always connecting to spirit because they were like my parents. They were like my friends. So I was always connecting to them back then. And yes, I'm, I'm sure they, they guided me to set up a six-week program, which was run through all schools in East Sussex. And this was aimed at helping the children open up emotionally and give a better understanding of why they were feeling and acting like they were. And we received marvellous results with the children's behaviour. And to me, that's everything. And yes, I, I could read their soul. I could see how sad they were, even though they didn't want to speak. I could sort of see what their core belief was, if that made sense, and what was going on in their home. So I could just say things and they would then just sort of open up. But I was very much guided by my team, spirit team, definitely. It isn't easy, but yes, it. it it's not easy for them to have a happy outcome. And it's really hard in child protection in children's services. And there's some terrible situations. I didn't tell them about my childhood, but I was have an understanding of that and how they felt. And I think that it really is the key for a child to open up and speak. Yeah, it's a feeling I think that they can trust. Yes. As they could know that probably immediately. And then there's also, I think this is so fascinating because it's true that we can be working with spirit in any capacity, any type of job, which doesn't necessarily have to be that because you are a medium and you have mediumistic abilities that you have to be only a medium. Yeah. There's ways that we can really, like all of us can allow spirit to kind of come and work with us in those situations. So I think that's, yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely. And, I, and it, it was so uplifting to work with these children to see that the school said suddenly their behaviour was changing, suddenly they were feeling better. And obviously a lot of the children were in child protection where they were taken away from their families, but they could open up what was happening. And, and yes, it, it, it was very sad and hard at the same time, but it was very uplifting as well for them to understand because when they're, I think the youngest one was five I worked with and when they're so young as well, they don't know why they're feeling or why they're be behaving in such a difficult way. Right. No, of course. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's such a healing that they would have received through that interaction. So yes. that's beautiful. Yes. What about the development journey? How, like, what has been the most challenging part of it for you and what would you say has been the most rewarding gosh I said oh that's a good question Melissa <laughs> the most challenging oh I'm gonna say by clearing my ancestral line as unfortunately the energies from my family were all the dark side and unfortunately not in line with mine which did question again for me I've questioned it all my life why was I born in this family <laughs> um yeah. And I'm still, I still question it today, really. A few of my ancestors tried to block my work. At the beginning of my journey, I didn't quite know what it was, but every time I sort of tuned in, it took a lot of hard work to go through and I could see sort of dark figures and stuff. So I had, well, did go to help and I had a mentor and I, I had a healer and we focused on working through the ancestral line, which, which 
was hard work. It was it was difficult. Through that, I went on a past life regression as well to really look in what was happening and what was going on for me, which actually was the best thing I could have done, Melissa, really, past life regression, because it really highlighted what was going on in my past lives and why the energy was so dark. So it really did, that was the key moment for me, I feel, about the ancestral line, doing the past life. And then for, I started to go up to a higher vibration. And I found that that's when I started to look more so at my soul then and the ancestral line. And it was really rewarding to clear it very much. So reaching to that high level that has enabled me for my work now. So yes, for anyone listening, although it's tough, keep going and it's good. And you can't do it alone. I had to get help. And I think from that moment, I realized I needed outside help as well from my channeling. Sure. I think there is something really powerful about looking at the previous incarnations and the previous yes. lives because you start to have an understanding and an awareness of the themes yes. that have been repeating these patterns of yes. energy dynamics that you've had with, you know, different family members and, well, and, and then like you said, the ancestral healing with going back even, you know, further, it's, it's yes. pretty amazing what you can start to understand about yourself yes. but then also I think understand about others and in a way have a little bit of a it's not a distance but you can kind of look at it more objectively I think when yes. you to see how it all fits together sort of like putting the puzzle pieces totally the puzzle pieces absolutely because I and I'll, I'll be honest um I had difficulty with my elder sister and she bullied me but when I, when I did the past life regression, it was amazing. It was like a cine camera and we went right back and my mum and my sister were there. It was, and I, honestly, Melissa, it was a bit like Harry Potter and we were doing our, the dark and the light and, and stuff. And then the lady talking it through, she was awesome, by the way, absolutely awesome. And she said to me, are you all right? Are you all right? I said, I, she, she said, you're fading. I said, yes, I'm fading. I'm fading. No, I'm fine. I'm flying. I'm flying. It's fine. She said, do you realize you've just been killed by your sister? But that explained why in this life she bullied me. And that, and that piece of information changed my life. Honestly, it changed it for me completely. It took the energy away, it made me feel a lot lighter, but also it made me have a much better, deeper understanding of why she was like she was. Right. And also, you could also probably understand why, if there was fear or any kind of deep, deep sadness around that relationship at times, yes. you could kind of understand it deeper even than just this one life, it goes sad. Yeah. You kind of give yourself also a little bit of a break, like, realizing oh there is a reason like this, this is a strong this is a strong energy to encounter yes and I think it's amazing to go back and see it and feel it and then that changes it doesn't it it changes it changes what you perceive why she's doing that and it and it has a different take on it completely and it really did help me sort of go forward very quickly from that right no I think that's that's an important thing for for people to to look at, and I think people are curious, but maybe don't always endeavor. There's something no. almost a little bit you have to be, I think, very much like ready to look back. I think yes, oh yes, it's not easy, 
And I think I held that for some time before I did it, to be honest. And you're right, I feel it has to be the right time. You can't force these things. It has to be in your heart. Yes, I think that's right for me. Not to force it, someone says you should go. You should be 100% on on what you feel is right for you. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes people ask me, well, after they get the information, say from past lives and things, well, how do I heal it? Like, what do I do? And I always think it's kind of interesting. I don't think in my experience, I don't think there's anything like a, a set list of steps that you can do. It's almost like you have to take that experience. You have to allow it, you allow it to simmer. Like you just basically have to experience it, look at it. And then, then you can kind of move forward deciding how you want to make peace with it, how you want to have acceptance. Absolutely. And I, and I think for me, and you're absolutely right, Melissa, because I accepted then my ancestors. I accepted that dance was there. I accepted that I wasn't born in the wrong families. I've accepted everything. And I think once you do that, then it becomes calmer and, and brighter and you don't have to be like them and you can be yourself. And yes, it, it really is. You're right about that. And it's accepting it as well. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> pardon me, many of our listeners are embarking upon their own development yes. path. What advice would you offer to them? Well, the advice I think I'll give is whatever the journey to get to this point on your development, we have to deal with our own personal issues, like our blocks, our, our demons, whatever you want to call them, before being able to completely go up to spirit. Because if you really want to go up to a very high birth, vibration then I feel that going down a good mentorship is important as it helps us to achieve the best we can and to I feel we need to sort of connect to our deep subconscious energy as well so the advice is to work with that and heal us yourselves because for me when I started very young, I was like, yes, I, I'm this fantastic medium, da, 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 da. And then when I was doing it more full-time, bush. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, I need therapy. <laughs> I, need to go, I need to go home and have some counseling and things like that. And I think you don't realize what your energy is. So my advice to everyone listening is connect to your energy, connect to your deep subconscious energy and see how it feels see how strong your channel is and working on that channel with your guide to, to go forward in your own soul's journey and connecting to your soul I think to enable a stronger connection for you but to really know what your energy is like sit in your energy and think there's grey there's there's yellow there's bright there's a bit of black over there what is it is it my fear is it my anger is, is it the trauma that took place what is it that I have to clear to be the best channel and that's what I did and I feel that was the best way forward so I hope that helps minister to your listeners definitely definitely and it, I agree that so much of who we are and what we've experienced what we've been through it comes to the surface as soon as you start booking at development, because I find there's no way you can really lie to yourself anymore. As soon as you start to do this kind of work and you're so connected and you're, you're working on that level, yes. you really have to look at everything. You can't really ignore it. You can't really hide from it. No. And so it'll keep popping up. Absolutely. So it is one of those things. And I find too, 
you can get so far with it. But then if there's things in your life, in your personal, physical, human life that you haven't addressed, I find it does pop up in when you start to like actually work with your mediumship, work with your abilities. And for instance, I have in the past had a student that was really struggling with the clairsentience, like really, really feeling like that was the hardest part for them. And then it kind of occurred to me that if there's anything in your life, your physical life that you're avoiding feeling or like kind of like hiding from feeling yes i think it's going to be harder for you then when you go to use your abilities uh, mediumistically to use that part so it's almost like you have to work on the physical human self and then it'll be reflected in what you're doing with your with your work Absolutely. And you're right, Melissa, because we don't know till we sort of hit that when we start in working and something will resonate and you'll think, oh, I, I need to work through that. So I think that your development journey does open what you need to clear yourself to have that yeah. fantastic channel. And you have to be brave to, to dig through it to come through. If you, if you want that channel, that connection, then I feel it's really worth that digging deep within your soul to go forward it is it is and i find uh, do you notice this too with people come for classes and things many times we're all sort of perfectionists when we start like (laughs) there's this need for just to do everything so perfectly and to get it right and the pressure though the pressure that I I can relate to that, but also that I see with students, yes. there's so much pressure that they feel. And I, I just want to say that I feel spirit really will help us through that. But it's basically, we have to, we have to have this courage to, to try, right? Yes. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think you're guided to do that as well. And sometimes I have felt throughout my journey or going to give up. But I never, I never really wanted to. And I, and, and next minute you're doing it, you're right, you're, someone you go on your computer and something comes up about um someone that does ancestral healing and you think oh i need to go and see them <laughs> yeah. or if I'm, if I'm having a particularly hard time with something and i'm feeling like oh like not good enough or if i'm frustrated with some aspect of whatever's happening yes it's almost like my guides they know at a certain point they have to do something. They have to create some kind of synchronicity for me or an experience that will bring me back into the magic of it. Or they'll have someone, I almost feel like they orchestrate someone messaging me, telling me, oh, by the way, you told me this three years ago. And actually, I just wanted to let you, I just thought of it, that this was so impactful or something like that, where they're like, okay, let's just, let's just help her, give her, throw her a bone. She needs to know that like, yes. this is okay. Everything's good. And then they do it every time and then I can go, okay. And then I remind myself what, yes, there is, there are times when it is really, it is hard sometimes. You have to really be so open all the time and you have to have this continuous courage. But I feel they always, they always come through. They always bring me back to that, that feeling of being inspired and being in the, you know, in that magic. So I have to say they do a good job with that. Yes. No, I, I totally agree on that. Definitely. (laughs) <laughs> but I was wondering if you could tell our listeners about psychic surgery, because I know uh, many people might not be aware of what that really entails. No, 
gosh, I, I, it's a bit of my passion really, Melissa. I love psychic surgery so much. It's so wonderful when I'm in that channel with the energy. It has taken me a while to get there, quite a few years to actually get to where the channel for that is. And I suppose the simplest explanation is that I channel to a mediumship level. I connect to my team as psychic surgeons. So I have specific surgeons who work with certain health conditions. So for example, I have an MS spirit guide who passed over around 35 years ago and he worked in a hospital as a consultant specialising in MS. And I also have a cancer guy who was a consultant too. And he passed over 20 years ago, and I call him Nigel. My main guide, which I said is Jim, brings the consultants and the guides down, the Pacific guides, when they're needed. And I have roughly about 15 different psychic surgeons in spirit that are brought in, either singularly or in groups, depending on the client and their needs. So I see the surgeons coming down. So I go up high, I channel the energy, I see them coming down and entering the client's auric field. I hold the energy. So I don't really go into a chance, slight, slight gentle trance, but the energies don't go inside me at all. So I hold the energy whilst the work is being done and the energy goes down um, into the client. So around their solar plexus. And they do their work. And I suppose I'm call it, I'm a little bit of a, a brooded journal. I sort of would cough the energy out. So I often put my hands on the clients and I let them know I might cough. It's only very gently, but it, for example, fluid on the lungs, fluid on the knee, that sort of thing. And my guides do come down with their toolkits. And sometimes I do laugh when they just, because they do come down and I see them. And they do their bit and then I hold it for them to leave. So they tell me when they I hold the space. So if there's any clearing, I, it will cough through me and then they will take it away. And I slightly, yes, like I said, I go into a slight gentle trance and transfer the energy into the client. But it's not going in me at all. The energy isn't going in me at all. And I developed this. I think it was because I, I went somewhere where they, they did the healing trance. And I just thought, oh, that's not for me, but I really want to do psychic surgery. So I sort of adapted it a little bit, Melissa, throughout my life. That's so fascinating. And so what do your clients feel? Like, do they tell you what they experience when you have surgeries? Yes. For example, I, I sort of explain. So my guides, are, so I'm in a sort of trance and I only will listen to my guides and my guides will tell me what to say to the client. That is really clear. I don't, and I tell them I, when we're about to start, what I say now is coming from my guides. And so, for example, the guide at, that I worked with a few days ago and he's got cancer, They it was on the bone. So they told me that they were working, coming down and trying to clear some of it away. So we would gently just say to them, we're now working on your side and we'll do it very, very gently. So they feel like a scraping. I can only ex describe and they'll say, oh yes, I can feel it scraping away. I can feel it being taken away. And when someone had fluid on the lungs, they was like, oh yes, I can feel it building up. And when you coughed, I could feel it releasing. So we do talk it through, but it is very, very gently, Melissa. It, it, no one's got hurt over it. And the, my guides really do it gently to the person. So everyone is different, but they work on those, the person's energy to the level of what they can deal with like that, really. So it is very much not me at all. I am only the channeling it through. Beautiful. 
that's amazing. And how do people find afterwards? Like, do have they given you some feedback about like the difference in afterwards, how they're how they're doing, how they're feeling? Yes, some some is instant, and some it it takes forty eight hours. It really depends on the person and and what you're doing. I mean, for example, that cancer gentleman three three eight years ago, three months sort of eight years ago, he was told he only had three months to live. And I then started healing him and he's still here today. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. But he's still obviously, he's starting to come back, which is sad. <laughs> he's starting right. to come back, which is a bit sad for me. Right. Well, I think it's also, it's amazing because this is something that you've been able to adapt and sort of work in your way like find the way that works for you and it's very unique something like a very unique experience and of course with that energy and with the help and assistance of these very specialized guides that's kind of a phenomenal experience for somebody to be able to experience and it's true i mean i i see it all the time these groups of doctors nurses and researchers and all of these healers in, in the spirit world who do come and they assist our healers here, but they yes. assist the doctors here. They assist also nurses here. And yes. it seems to me also that there's so many very benevolent spirits that I find are sometimes in readings when I'll be connecting for someone, the spirit person will say that, oh, one of the things that they do is they often will come and actually sit with somebody who is at the end stage of their life and needs that support. And even though they don't know each other, yes. uh, but that's just something that that spirit will volunteer to do. Or sometimes people that were going through, say they passed from cancer, yes. you know, and then they come and they just, they hold space, they come and assist. So it's so beautiful to think that at any given time that we've got these teams of scare people who are actually really coming to support us and work with us. Yes. No, no, absolutely, definitely. And, and then there's a calming through the terminal illness as well with the spirit. It's like they, they, it's calming for them, if that makes sense, the energy that comes down. It's a real sort of calming feeling for them that they're at peace, even though they're, they're having a difficult time. It, it really sort of positively helps them feel more positive as well after the session definitely definitely there's that sort of physical emotional and spiritual healing that takes place so that's definitely something that i think is quite it's quite priceless you can't really put that into words what that actually can offer someone how about have you been working at all in hospice or anything like that like end of life it's difficult in england because i wanted to do it and at that particular point in my life, they were very open, but things have changed slightly and now they're having a lot of Reiki practitioners. But a lot of my clients do go to the hospice and then they contact me privately when they're, when they're out of the hospice. I, mean, I would have loved, loved to have worked in a, in a hospice, but unfortunately I tried, I think, in my lifetime six times and I always were rejected. So I just felt that spirit didn't want me to to do to do that. But interestingly enough, 
at the moment, they're all sort of at daycare at the hospice, but I go and see them private. Oh, okay. Yeah, because when I when I was uh, thinking about you, I just felt like, oh, you have such an ability to hold space and to really be with people at that threshold before they make their transition yes. as well. And so even if it's not technically working for or with hospice, I think it's the same type of thing. You're you're there for that person supporting them and assisting them to prepare for sometimes it's to prepare for their their transition. Yes. And it's so humbling, Melissa, because the clients who are sort of ready for that stage are very humble themselves and and it is such a sort of empowering thing as well. It's hard to explain it, but it is humbling at the same time and and during the work that they've been able to open up and feel that it's okay as well and it feels like there's people waiting for them. So it really is. I've done that sort of several times in my life while I've been there privately in someone's home when they've passed over and I have to say Although it's extremely sad, it was very humbling and uplifting at the same time and knowing that they were safe and knowing that they weren't scared or frightened. Definitely. I've only been with people, I would say a few times up to this point, like right Mm. before um, or right at their time of passing. And it's it's been one of the most beautiful experiences. I find like some of the moment that you experience are just so filled with love and there's a sense of seeing the peace that kind of comes comes over them it it's actually quite amazing but it is i think it's one of those things that we you almost have to have to have sort of this uh part of you that is open to that like I think it's not for everyone but I certainly I certainly know that feeling that you're talking about it is very very humbling and it's it's a pretty amazing experience to be close to someone at that time and to um, be able to witness that I I think for me when I meet a client and and they're scared at first they're scared and they're they're really worried and that and the more I go and see them more do healing that scaredness disappears. And for me, that's everything, if that makes sense. And then they're safe, knowing they're safe when they pass and it's and it's not going to be traumatic. It will be okay. And for me, that just sort of makes me feel good that it's okay for them. Definitely, definitely. That's a very, a very beautiful experience for you to have and also for them. Mm. Sad. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah, very much so. It's it's one of those things too that I think it's almost like part of the the whole bigger picture because oftentimes we're working with spirit and bringing that that love from them to the people here in the physical world. But the flip side of that, yeah, is is sort of that also that preparation and assisting them to then go to the spirit world. So. there's yeah it's kind of it's kind of two parts to that but and both of them sad because there's lots of times when I'll be reading for someone and you can feel you can feel the deep loss the deep pain the sadness and at the same time it's also it's such a beautiful thing to experience that connection that they have and also to have loved someone so deeply that there's that kind of 
profound grief. Something about that I think is so is also so meaningful and powerful. So yeah, it's it's all it's all of those things. It's like there's sadness, but then there's this beauty, and then there's also there's parts that are challenging with it, but kind of just like life, really. Yes. Yes. Definitely, Melissa. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed also that about your work with animals and animal communication. Is there anything you could share with our listeners that would be helpful for those that are grieving the physical loss of their pets? Yes, no, absolutely. And this is such a sad time, isn't it, Melissa, when, when you lose a pet? I've lost a few in my lifetime and, and that pet's been part of your life for a long time and in, and in some cases only a few months perhaps and the unconditional love that they give us it makes it such an important part of our lives as well. So I wanted to share a story actually of my younger sister who lost a young beautiful cat in lockdown and she only had him for nine months. He got knocked down outside her house by a speeding car and everyone was so distraught. So you can imagine she rang me up and she asked if I could connect to him. And I felt such a strong presence of calm as I told, as he told me that he thought he was invincible. He was a ginger cat and (laughs) yeah, he was a character. And that he dashed under my sister's before she could close the front door. So he said it was his fault and she wanted, he wanted me to tell my sister that it was his fault and she mustn't think it was her. He also told me that. He loved the way my sister picked him up. She picked him up in a certain way and kissed him on his left head, his left side of his head, and that he would never, he'd never leave the family. So I told my sister and the next day she rang me and she said she felt him there and that she helped so much just knowing that your pet um, has never gone and knowing, and it really helps the grieving process. So yes, absolutely what I was going to say is Pets are always with you. They're very, very spiritual. And it's quite easy to connect to them because they're so open. Particular cats more for me. I don't know if you have that experience, Melissa, but cats I seem to really sort of communicate very easily with. Dogs are a little bit harder, but they're always there. And I believe that they're there and waiting for you when you pass over as well. That's my view. I don't know if you have that same view yourself. Definitely. And so many times, not to say that people don't grieve for their, their, you know, human people, but I find when a dog or a cat, or I don't know, there's sometimes like, I've had a rat that's come through a gecko, all kinds of different, the emotion actually sometimes is so much more than with their, their other loved ones. And I think it's because of that unconditional love that you were talking about. Yes. That love and that bond is so unique and special and it's so strong and I think sometimes we don't recognize that they've come and they're very much healers for us but also many times we've had previous incarnations with them we've known them before and there is like a strong soul connection a soul bond so it's a really it's a really amazing thing when people have that connection and some people don't know some people don't think that it's possible they don't realize that their their pet could come through and i think it's always amazing when it does it's certainly not something that i would say that is like a specialty for me but i do i do they do come through and i would say that it's interesting too because with the dogs especially I don't know all the breeds or anything like that very well. 
So it's mostly feeling and I can experience like the emotions and the bond and the connection, all that stuff. But I wouldn't be able to look at every dog in spirit and say, oh, I know that that's this type of dog or that type of dog. It's more, it's more of a feeling. (laughs) You can go, it's like a bigger, bigger breed or smaller breed, (laughs) like things like that. But um, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. They make it known as far as who they are. So that's, that's wonderful. Yes, and there is such a connection, and I think I, I've sort of I've helped a lot of cats that have been missing to find their way back home. So they're still in this world, and I have done several. And what I do is I just use my mediumship and I connect to them, and I do it slightly differently. They tell me where they are, so it's really interesting. They sort of describe what they see, <laughs> where they are, and I've had a few successes on that. And one in particular was local, and the cat went missing for six days, and tuned into them, and they were sitting on a windowsill. So said, "I'm sitting on a windowsill." Um, I said, oh, what do you see? I see a red car out, two bins, a red car. And she sort of gave me two letters of the of the car. And she sort of described where she was from her home, not far away. So I rang the, the people that asked me if I could connect to their cat. And it was at the back of their street. And they went there. There was a car and there was a cat sitting in the window. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. And the relief, I think, that would that would come mm. with that. It's I mean, that's such a horrible feeling to lose to lose your pet. Yes. It's, yeah. it's happened to us before. And uh, yeah, it is. It's a really, really tough. So that's that's so incredible. I love that. Yes. But I'm not good with dogs, Melissa, because if you if you ask me to tune into dog and find out where they are, I haven't had much success. So I don't know why I'm just sort of the cat whisperer. That's so cool though. That's so cool. And what's interesting too is that I find since working with my medium on purpose, like intentionally working with it over the last, I guess, nine years, I became really connected to cats and I hadn't really been before. Like I've always liked, like loved animals, you know, but I was more kind of attuned, I think, to dogs. Like I was more drawn to dogs. Mm -hmm. And then since working with spirit it's almost like something opened up and I'm like so now so like connected love cats like yes. obsessed with cats so I don't know what that's about but it, it's definitely interesting oh I, I would tap into a cat that's <laughs> see what you get I honestly so um, yeah and I've they seem to just really speak and I can hear what they're, what they're saying. And I sort of don't go and get the information. I just go straight to the cat and, and speak to them sort of direct directly. But yes, it came about because I didn't even know really when I was younger that I could do that. And I walked into this house and there was this cat sitting there with another cat and I just walked by and I heard I want my own basket <laughs> I went, well, so who spoke to me so yes it sort of came from there and I'm like oh my god I can hear what they're saying um yeah it's that's so interesting and the thing that I love I find with cats is that for the most part they know exactly who they are they know exactly what they want and they don't apologize for it it's like they just are who they are. And I think that's so brilliant. I think we can probably learn a lot from them. I think absolutely, definitely. It was funny I, over lockdown, Melissa. Is, is it all right to tell you a little story? So this cat went missing over lockdown and I got asked to find out where it was. 
and it just said, I'm not going home. They're arguing too much in lockdown. I, I found a new home. Oh, my. You know why? And that makes perfect sense because I can totally see that a cat would that would think that. Like, yes, no, I'm done here. You know? Yes. Because they take care of themselves. They know, they know how to take care of themselves. That's what I find. Yes, totally. Totally. I wish sometimes we had their courage. Yes. Yes, I know. We can gain a lot from that. So that's amazing. Well, can you tell us a bit about what you're what you're working on now or any upcoming projects or offerings that you've got? Yes. Well, I'm what's going on at the moment, I'm doing an online event, which is an Zoom event on the nineteenth of February. It's called Opening Your Subconscious to Release Anxiety. Because obviously that's my sort of niche back in children's services and from my own childhood. And I've developed this workshop with the wonderful Shirley O'Keefe, who is a hypnotherapist. And I have had hypnotherapy for, to release my subconscious energy over the last sort of five years. So we've had an agenda lined up and we're focusing on your subconscious energy and your symptoms. As it's the first one, we're going very gently on your symptoms of anxiety. So we'll be combined in hypnotherapy with with my healing and my guides and working through to help lower your anxiety because when you when you do hypnotherapy then it's like you have a release sort of an hour after or you might feel a little bit not very good so that we've combined the two so that we will help release it off you so you're not carrying it around so that's on the 19th of february and then you can follow me on my website um the Facebook, Paula Mary, the Psychic Clinic. I do readings, healing, psychic surgery, animal and um, communication. I do also ancestral healing and energy rebooting. My podcast, the Spiritual Surgery Podcast, is in all podcast apps and it's a development show. And you can find it on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram under the Spiritual Surgery Podcast. And not forgetting, I also work with children with spiritual counselling. I do have the, the owners or the adults with them too, but I do obviously work with children too, Melissa. Wonderful, beautiful. Well, I definitely encourage uh, my listeners to check out your podcast as well. Have a listen. It's fabulous. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time and coming and being a guest. And it's been so wonderful to get to know you. I feel really, really blessed that we got to have this time together. Yeah, thank you, Melissa. And you, and you too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Beautiful. We'll definitely keep in touch uh, yes. and we will we'll leave it there. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening and your continued support. And you were to find me, Psychic Medium Melissa White on Facebook and Melissa White Medium on Instagram. And feel free, as always, to join the Facebook group, The Spirit Room Podcast. So take care, everyone. And until next time.